It's New Hampshire Headlines on WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsten. Be sure to check out this segment every Friday in the 6 a.m. hour is on demand at nhtalkradio.com. Joined this week by Jeff Feingold, the editor over at the New Hampshire Business Review, NHBR, to get more from them. Uh, welcome back to the show, Jeff. Great to be back. Happy New Year, AJ. Happy New Year. And going off of that, it's 2023. For, for, you're actually my first uh, reporter news outlet for, for the uh, new year. So let's chat a little bit about what you think are going to be important trends that the Business Review is going to be focused on. Because obviously there's some big picture things when it comes yeah. to, to workforce, real estate, housing, and like all these sorts of Absolutely. things. But you can only cover so many different stories. I mean, what what are some big highlights you're looking to hit this I, year? I think that for, for this year, you know, we, we cover we cover a lot of trends and uh, we cover a lot of trends. That was my dog, sorry. No worries. We cover a lot of trends over the course of the year. And as we're preparing for it, I, we were thinking about looking at what are, what will be some of the big things that will be folk New Ham- business New Hampshire business will be concerned about, and just like it's been for several years now, I really do believe one of the primary uh, concerns is going to be workforce. The state right now is you know the economy is going really pretty well. Uh, there are chances that we you know that we might see a recession, but more and more it's looking like it might not be a particularly difficult one but we i mean i don't know this is uh, that's i'm not an economist i shouldn't be saying that stuff <laughs> well, but, well it's uh, the most confusing one i mean they outright <laughs> from the beginning were saying the recession is going to be this thing and then we yeah, entered exactly. their <laughs> their standard and they changed it around i'm like you're just hurting yourself politically and making it confusing for the general populace exactly exactly so but i, I know the economy's it's gonna it's not gonna be as great as it was the last couple of years but it'll still be pretty strong and I think the things holding back, the big thing holding back New Hampshire business is going to be the, the need for workforce. There's still a, our workforce is still nowhere near the size that it was before the pandemic. A lot of people have opted out for various reasons, and uh, you know it's still it's still difficult. And I think that that's going to be the concern of, of a lot of businesses is, is really where can we find employees? Uh, so. That because of that, I, I I think what we're going to be doing is focusing on that workforce development in particular, but also a key one of the key aspects of this very important part of it is education, the education system of the state K through twelve and college, and that's something that uh, you know the state has had a love hate relationship for many years, in terms of funding edu- public education, in terms of. Uh, Helping to fund the uh, public uh, college system, the you know university system, so we'll be looking a lot about that. At that and you know the relationship that education that the public education system has with uh, with businesses and vice versa, because there have been some more inroads made. There's been more relationships between businesses and 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 schools of all levels in in the state, but it's still not anywhere near as robust as it once was or as it could be. And uh, and I know that we ran an op-ed not too long ago by Mike Skelton, the president of the Business Industry Association, who was talking about the importance of of the state really supporting its the, the college system, the university system, and that's one key thing. But you know, it, it includes the you know the the community college system, high schools. You know, these these are these are where you know, the future employees are coming from, mm. and businesses have a has a, have a real interest in this. So we'll be doing some more of that, you know, looking at that 
I, I mean, personal anecdote for the K through 12 system. I mean, I'm a native of central Maine and here I am in Concord for yeah. my entire professional career because I didn't have any of the technology opportunities that really gave really hit the spark that I was able to find what I enjoy doing. I ended up finding that at Franklin Pierce University when I was at college because like they, there was no radio station, there was no college, no high school TV station, there was no AV sort of club. There there was there was no if you basically the only public like uh, interaction sort of thing was like theater and music, which I was deep into music at the time. But if you don't have like the latest greatest in in curriculum to handle these sorts yeah. of things, they're they're gonna move to where the colleges are, and especially in the rural parts of the United States, but uh, especially New England, they're gonna get pushed off to Massachusetts and stuff like that. And, and it was an, I swear I was reading an interesting insight not too long ago. But someone who, who he said, you know, for years, well, for decades, states have fought with each other over attracting businesses. Yeah. You know, you know they'd, they'd have different tax breaks and, you know, signing bonuses and all that stuff. And that's not what they're going to be doing now. They're, they're going to be trying to attract a workforce because mm -hmm. that's what businesses want is the workforce. They're not going to come to your state unless you have the workforce. And that's something that New Hampshire needs to understand. That's it's going to take an investment of some kind of some level to to really have that kind of robust workforce that New Hampshire has historically had. We used to have, we've always had a highly skilled workforce, but we need to make sure it continues. That, you know, it's not, it's, it's not gonna stay by, it's not gonna regenerate itself just by magic. Yeah, and we need to make sure that it's the, it's the right sort of workforce. It yes. sounds very skeevy to say it that way, but ultimately we want educated, yeah, exactly. high-paying jobs like we're seeing a lot of development, especially in the Manchester Mill Yard of late. Around yeah. that, there's been some work in Portsmouth. Uh, like we don't want 15 Amazon warehouses and such and more no, no, Walmarts exactly popping right. up. We, we yeah. want skilled labor. Well, that I mean, the perfect example of that is what happened over in, in – uh, on, on the seacoast when uh, when Albany International moved its headquarters from Albany, New York to Rochester, New Hampshire, because it had a, it had a, a specific relationship with the community college system. And they have a whole feeders, you know, the Great Bay Community College has basically a program there that's feeding all kinds of uh, uh, highly trained tech, tech, you know, high tech manufacturing uh, jobs, people at, at, at Albany International making these, you know, you know, uh, parts for um, uh, aeronautical systems and stuff. I mean, we're, it's really an amazing partnership, and that's the that's the model that uh, that could be used elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, the university system. Like speaking with UNH, I worked there for twelve years. So I kind of am aware of how the how the university operated, but they they have their technology um, deal that they have over at um, shoot. What's the name of their um, their separate organization that they partner with. But they partner with all sorts of technology companies, range from Oracle to all sorts of networking companies and things like that. But it doesn't really seem to be connected at the state level. It's like strictly the UNH Durham campus doing their little thing, working with the city and directly with these companies without some like bigger 
a picture look at it. I mean, the, the university system kind of integrating across the state maybe will help yeah. some of that, but it doesn't see. It seems like it's a lot more their own workforce as opposed to expanding yeah. outside uh, partnerships. They they are doing so. They do. They're doing some very uh, strong work here in the Milliard in Manchester uh, with University of Man- New Hampshire. Manchester is working mm-hmm. very closely with uh, with Dean Kamen and many of the other businesses in in the. Uh, in the mill yard on that re- regenerative manufacturing, which is a major uh, a major initiative, so they are doing that. It's just you know it, it's something that that really has to be that I think businesses in New Hampshire need to be made more aware of. Yeah, and and going off a recent an article from just a couple weeks ago over at nhbr.com, New Hampshire Business Review site, um, Plymouth State University students actually presented a bunch of recommendations for this, this old uh, paper mill property, which was super interesting to see. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that, that's a perfect example. They they were they basically uh, worked with 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 the with the old paper mill site there, the, the owner of it, and said, you know, what can we do? How can we? What can we do to deal with with the waste that's there? And they came up with some pretty creative ideas that, you know, that that's the kind of stuff that that really uh, has benefits both the university, obviously over there, the students, but also the business itself potentially. Yeah, I mean, there's so much. There's so many resources available with these senior and research projects and um, the specialization that you're really able to dive into with your more uh, proactive students that really want to figure out what they want to do when they graduate or really want to get that next step so they can go get their master's. To have projects like this uh, that show real world we can do things is huge. I think the university has been doing a good job at kind of shifting more into that, which is great to see. Yes, I think they're more definitely. I know that the leadership university is much more aware of the need to do these things like that at, at the university system. I mean, not just the university, but the university yeah. system. Yeah, I mean, when the university specifically, I mean, they they outright have James Dean, who used to run a business school previously and has yes. been in the industry. I think he was in the private sector for a long time before he took that over. So a yes. little more, yeah. um, it's like he's aware of what what's needed outside of just academia, which is nice. Yes, he's very proactive. Actually, I I had him on our podcast not too long ago, and he talked about reaching out to businesses all around the state. He did like a, a kind of a listening tour. Uh, last late last year, where he went around to different stakeholders, and and, and he and he really was trying to make he's trying to send that message that the university is here to work with you. Move over to uh, continue our conversation on labor specifically. It looks like there was a uh, Lebanon Geotech equipment makers become a hundred percent employee owned, which is super interesting. Like I spoke a year ago to uh, Brett Wickard, who uh, is the form is the founder of Bullmost Music. He was their CEO. He's the president of Fieldstack, uh, which is kind of like a payment processing uh, company. They do various yeah. development applications and such. And they did that same thing, which is big for Bull Moose because they're kind of across New England. Uh, with their stores, especially centered in Maine, though. But it's, I mean, long term, I mean, we're seeing such a spike in unionization efforts and very fierce contract negotiations. And it's interesting to see, It's at least anecdotally, it seems like there's a lot more push towards the employee-owned model in New England. Yeah, there is. New Hampshire in particular, it's been much, it's been gaining a lot of ground. Actually, I, I you know, full disclosure, the Yankee Publishing, the company I work for, we are now an employee-owned company, 100% actually. And, uh, it, you know, it it's, was a big effort. And what, and uh, the story of Yankee is that, you know, it, it's a, it was a small uh, family-owned company, you know, publisher of Yankee Magazine, and of course, the old Farmer's Almanac, you know, a successful company. But because it was family-owned, it's 
it was there was the concern that future generations were not going to want to take a role in him, first of all. And second of all, if to understand the media industry, there's a lot of uh, consolidation, a lot of buyouts, and the potential would be would exist to buy Yankee Publishing as a whole. Because you know, you know, the New Hampshire Business Review, New Hampshire Magazine, and all the other ones. But then the new owner might say, "Well, I don't want this part. Let's get rid of these ones. Let's get rid of this stuff. Let's, you know, we don't want. We, they won't have the same mission. Mm-hmm. It won't be a, a, they won't be a New Hampshire company anymore. It would be a. They have they have different goals for the company for for the, for the brands and all that. So uh, you know, the, the the idea was the family, the, the Trowbridge family, uh, decided let's let's get make this an employee owned company. And now it's employee owned, and you know we the fate of the, the fate of the company is in the hands of the employees. Yeah, it's a little more complicated. We, you know, we don't we don't we're not on the board of directors, and that. it's yeah. it's a more there's a lot more complications. Brett not, Wickard really it's not as simple as it sounds. Yeah, Brett but dove into some it, of the the tax implications and such. I'll, I'll try and remember to put that in the podcast description because he really yeah. dove into a lot of his. Bunch of was way over my head, but it was super interesting to hear yeah, someone dive it's, into it's the very, finer details. It's complicated, but this is the bottom line. I was the other day I spoke at an event at Hypertherm in Hanover, in in Lebanon, in Hanover, and they have. Uh, they are an employee-owned company for many years, and they have a couple thousand uh, employees, associates, as they call them. Now, the interesting thing is that the woman who gave a presentation about the company before before we spoke on the panel, she mentioned that they've had they've been so successful as an employee-owned company. They've had some, they had forty-four people retire in the last year. Because you know it's been gone for a long time, and a couple of them have been longtime employees who retired with like a couple of million dollars. Wow! As a retirement nest egg, because they were they were getting the profits from owning part of this business. That's nothing like that would ever happen. I don't care how big your four hundred one k is. It's not going to be the same as having a piece of a, of a company like that. I mean, Hypertherm is an extremely successful company, yeah. international company, but it's still an example of what the benefits are to the employees. Yeah, and it's a little less adversarial as you will often see with regular unionization efforts. I mean, a lot of the reason why you're seeing unionization across the country right now is huge multinational corporations that aren't necessarily taking great care of their employees, and instead of instead of saying, "Okay, we're 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 basically doing this as." for activism for ourselves to make sure we're taken care of and paid properly and yeah. uh, receiving um, like the support that we need as employees within the organization. You move into the, the employee-owned model, it's like, no, we, we're all in the mission together here. It's all in our best we're, interest. We're all sharing the profits, which is, not, which is not the same as, let's say, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> They're not all sharing the profits at Amazon. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> and, I mean, our, like I know there aren't that many – companies like that that are as widespread in New Hampshire, but is there, have you really heard much about unionization efforts in the state, like in Starbucks and stuff like that? I haven't heard any of no, it. No, actually, it's it's interesting because, you know, the Starbucks unionization is happening a lot around us yeah. in Massachusetts, but it's not really happening as far as I know. In New Hampshire, there are, there have been some efforts that uh, some nurses have been, have been unionized in recent years and you know, it's not. It's just not the same. New Hampshire has never really had a a, a, a big, strong uh, union movement. That, that libertarian of, streak, uh, man. 
Well, there's a lot of people who are, who are members of unions in New Hampshire. You know, there are there are trades unions and stuff like that, but it's just not as robust as it is in some other states. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that thing about unions. I found it really interesting the other day. Uh, Microsoft had a, a unit, one of their games making ga- gaming units. The the employees voted to unionize, and the, Microsoft didn't fight it. They wow. basically said, you sign your card. They didn't make a big effort or anything. Like yeah, we've read about Amazon and Starbucks and others. They said, no, we're going to be, we're, we're neutral on this. Yeah, I mean, you they know, got the money. Not, I... you, you do what you want to do and we'll, and we'll deal with you. And I, I thought that was an interesting approach from a very, a huge tech company. It's not the same response that you see in some of the others. I mean, they, these these companies especially, like the money is there, generally speaking, if you're looking at it. It's just they need to reconfigure yeah. how they organize and manage their, their properties when it comes to it. And another thing that's kind of different maybe with Microsoft is there is a central corporation that they directly report up and through. When you're talking like your Starbucks and um, yeah. some of these other, not necessarily Amazon. Amazon's kind of closer to the Microsoft kind of format, but there's so much franchising and such that it's a little more confusing like you're talking starbucks there's usually general managers and such that take care of specific regions or own the the outright property and that's i don't i think that i think they are i think they are company owned are they but but i but i'm not but it's it it is a little different i have to admit it's a different different animal but it's still uh it's still it's still a result of employees especially since the pandemic feeling more empowered about you know things like that so yeah, I'm frustrated. I, yeah. I mean, there's so many stories, and, and the second the like, I've always heard forever. Being from from Maine originally, when all the mills shut down, yeah. Walmart came up, and Walmart went through, and they were brutal when it came to exactly. uh, knocking down any unionization efforts. But but it was just Walmart. Like there, the, there's not there weren't that many Starbucks up in Maine no. up until no. a decade ago, basically. No. So uh, you never really heard anything out. I mean, it was a huge deal when we got Targets actually coming. <laughs> into the state because we didn't have anything other than your JC I know, Penny's. It was a competition of finally, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And now there there's actual like you have options. So these companies actually have to maybe consider how they treat their employees and how they yeah, treat exactly. their well, properties. That's, that's just, and that's goes back to our original topic about the workforce. <laughs> you gotta really treat your employees pretty well, especially nowadays, because they say, Well, I'll walk then I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna take it. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean if if you take better care of your properties that you're having things on, you see big developments. I mean Waterville and Winslow up in around where I grew up is having a huge explosion of um, of development because of Colby College saying we finally want a proper college town that's not run down and falling apart because Winslow has just been dilapidated for decades with small yeah. businesses kind of operating around it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, cool. Well, everyone should definitely check out NHBR.com. Right on the front page, I also want to remind everyone they always have all sorts of training opportunities or other conferences that they uh, – uh, some that they so put have on. A, some summit, uh, a sales summit coming up uh, in February that's really going to be a big deal. It's uh, for, for interested in, in all – parts of developing your workforce and working with your, uh, you know, finding salespeople, you know, uh, training salespeople. It's, it's going to be, it should be a really big deal. It's going to be, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Jeff Feingold, New Hampshire Business Review. Thank you so much for joining me. It's great talking with you, AJ. NHBR.com once again to check out their work. Uh, NHTalkRadio.com to get all our work over here at WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsted. We'll be right back. <laughs>